So I have to use this opportunity right now to make fun of Brandon Gary because I don't get that opportunity very much. He doesn't. He doesn't give me a microphone uh, except to sing. Uh, and so I want to. I want to share with you before I dive into what today looks like. This uh, text message I got uh, last night, uh, about 9:30, praying for you tonight. Preach the gospel. Make Jesus clear. Gosh. He's going to say something stupid. Because he's my friend, I, I cry at stuff like this. Um, I really want to get to the funny part. Praying for you tonight. Preach the gospel. Make Jesus clear. Unpack the Bible. I love that. And then he says this. Dream of me. I don't, how do you respond to that? I don't even know. What to, he makes things so weird sometimes. Ah, uh, it's been a journey with him. I've known him since I was five years old. And if you would have asked me, um, when I was younger, would we be doing this? There's no way, right? Like, like, like we went to church when we were in youth, but I, I would have had no clue that this was, this is what God was ordaining, this journey that we were about to go on. And so I, I, I make fun of him, but I do love the guy. He's a good guy. Um, but it, it reminds me that as I talk about that journey, all of us are on one right now. In fact, all of you could write a book. In fact, some of you need to write a book like how to parent uh, a daughter. Uh, because like I have three of them, and there's times where I'm like, I need more wisdom than I have, right? Hanson's fist pumping. Uh, he's in the same boat. We, yep. Yeah, there's a couple of us in the world that only provides daughters. Everybody else gets to have sons. Uh, but there, there are times where, where I need... Uh, like, I need wisdom, like, because this journey is not a simplistic journey uh, at all. And, and we kind of knew that going into it, but you didn't really know what it looked like until you unpacked it. Um, but it, it's a journey. Uh, all of you could write a book on your journey. Uh, you could. And it, it'd be a, a book worth reading, for sure. I want to talk about specifically what the journeys look like uh, in our lives where, where maybe we struggle. Because some journeys are great, right? Um, there, there are seasons in my life that I'm like, this, this is a great journey. Uh, I love what we're doing here. I love this. I love that we get to meet right now and there's this awesome mural on the wall and nobody ever says anything about it. Like no one. I love it. Right? I love that, we, that God has opened the doors for this space. Right? Because if you have gone to the church for, uh, before we were in Azel, we were, we were reaching God, what do you want us to do here? What's, what's the plan? And just to be able to see that journey unfold is huge. Well, just recently I was on, a, on another journey. So I'm a cross-country coach uh, at uh, Southwest Christian School. Uh, I have actually a couple, couple of lady runners back there uh, that are smiling right now and mad at me because I pointed them out in front of everybody. Um, but I, I've been on this journey recently that I, I've had to get my CDL, um, the, the bus license, the stupid bus, right? And this big bus, and you've got to drive all the kids around, right? And every coach should, should have it, right? Well... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of piece this story uh, throughout my message. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a stopping point, uh, mostly because I have to breathe a little bit because I get frustrated at this story. Uh, but this story is about a year-long story uh, of me trying to get my CDL bus license. Um, and it started off last school year where the AD came and said, hey, you all got to get this. And we're, you know, we whined about it a little bit, but he won. Uh, and, and we start the journey, and I do all the, the written tests, and I get my permit. Um, for, for my CDL, for my CLP uh, at that point. Um, and uh, I go up to take my first test, um, to the actual driving test. Uh, and I get there and I give them my information. I have appointment ready to go. And the lady looks at me and says, you can't take your test today. 
Now at this point, I've, we've, I've driven the bus up with a, another buddy who has his CDL, right? Because that's how the permits work, right? All my nervous parents out there. Um, and so I, we get there, and you can't take the test today. And, and I've heard horror stories about the DMV um, with, with CDLs, you know, outside of the ones that we already uh, might have with, with driver's license. But I was like, Ooh, what? Well, why can't I? Well, you don't have all your tests done. And I, <laughs> I show her my permit as if this verifies I've done everything I need to do. I'm like, no, I do. Look, you gave this to me. Uh, and there was a little bit of sarcasm in my voice when I said that, right? And I was like, no, I... I've done everything you told me to do or else you wouldn't have given me this card with my good looking face on it, right? And uh, I'm like, well, I'm sorry, we must have messed up. Uh, you, you don't have a test. I'm like, okay, I'm a solution guy. Let's fix this. I'll go take it right now and we'll hop in the bus and make this happen. Unfortunately, our policy is that you can't do the bus test until 14 days after your written tests. And I'm like, and this is out in Arlington and, and you know, we're, we're in Fort Worth, schools in Fort Worth, so it's a little 30 minute drive, whatever. And I'm like, so you're telling me there's nothing I can do. I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but you haven't done everything you're supposed to do, and now I can't do what I need to do, right? And, and I didn't say, listen, listen, we always get this opportunity to love, love God by loving people, right? And we end every Sunday morning with this, right? And as this lady's saying this, Brandon's dumb voice uh, pops into my head. It's like, hey, this week we're going to love God by, and then the rest of the church says what? Yeah, and so that pops in my head. I'm like, Yes, ma'am. I'll reset up my driving test. Uh, I'll go ahead and take the written test. Right? You're the best. I'm going to go do that. And I'll come back in two weeks, and this is going to be great. It's test number one. Attempt number one. Attempt number two, I go up, uh, and I have my test. I'm good to go. I have all my information. Uh, I'm ready for whatever curveball she throws me. Uh, and she says, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't take the test today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Why? Uh, and uh, she says, well, uh, you need a physical on file uh, because you're driving a big bus. And I'm like, well, okay, I get that. Um, private school and public school works a little bit different. Uh, you know, we do have to have physicals, but our physicals have to be on file with the school, not with the state, because we're a private school. She says, nah, nah, I need that physical. And I'm like, okay, can I, can I go to a doctor and then come back today and just knock this out? No, unfortunately, I can't do that. Uh, we're pretty full the rest of the day. Uh, and it's like she's saying, she's got this smile on her face too that's great about her customer service, right? Um, and I am just like inside, I'm kicking and screaming. Okay. The issue with this is that all the other coaches before me haven't had to do this. It's almost like God just picking on me, right? Some of you guys have said that before. Uh, because I've had like 15 coaches at our school do this CDL process and none of them have been hit with this, right? They've all done their physicals, uh, you know, and then put, turn those into the school, never having to turn it into the DMV, okay? So the guy that was there was with me. He doesn't always love God by loving people. Um, he, d- he doesn't go to this church. Uh, he, hasn't heard, he hasn't heard that. Uh, and so, uh, and so he, he gives the lady a, a few choice words, and I'm kind of in the back like, okay, no. Let's not do this, because if this implodes and this lady remembers us, I'm done, right? I'll go up here 15 times, and this lady's like, oh, it's you again. Uh, and so uh, he, he leaves, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry for him. Uh, it's just a stressful situation because it's my second time to be up here. I didn't say the first time was your fault, but it was, I was thinking it. Uh, I was like, so I'm really, I really, I'm sorry. 
We'll be back. I'll get the physical. We'll be good to go. I get a call from that, that same coach that night. Hey, I talked to the DMZ supervisor. That lady was wrong. I knew she was wrong. She's wrong. And I'm like, okay. And he says, we're going to go back up next week. You're going to be good to go. I'm like, all right, sweet. So we go back up. You know the definition of insanity. Um, but it's exactly what this is. Ready to do it? She looks at me and says, oh, we can't, you can't take a test today. Um, and it's like I'm used to hearing. Like I almost asked the question, what's wrong, before she said, you can't take your test today. Um, and she says, yeah, we need your physical on file because uh, you have to have that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the same guy, same guy was there, all right? I didn't talk to him last, last time we were there about loving God by loving people, but I did say, hey, let's just be cool today, okay? Worst case scenario, I'll go to a physical and we'll come back. And at this point, I'm used to it, right? Um, that the DMV has won. This will be the third battle, uh, and I'm just used to it at this point. And so I said, okay, we're going to go with the physical. Should have done that last time. We're going to do it this time, and I'll reset it up. So this this has now been about a year of this process because DMV is a long line, and this is the way it works. And so I'm going to stop the story there and leave you on the edge of your seats to find out what happened on the fourth attempt uh, coming up here in a second. Uh, but it's it's our journey, right? Uh, we all have them. We all have stories uh, of our journeys, some, some of them being great seasons, some of them being struggles. Uh, let me go and just say this first, and this is your first uh, blank in the talk note, and it lines up perfectly with my story. Uh, our journey will bring us disruptions. Disruptions. It will. Our journey will bring us disruptions. Okay? It's going to happen. Like, in teaching teenagers, one of the things that I often get uh, from, from them is they think that salvation equals simplicity. Right, And I'm going to say that about teenagers because I work with them every day. That's an adult thing too. That's a Christian thing. right? The the, the deal that, God, I want to live for you. I want to have a faith in you. uh, And and I want my life to reflect you. There's this little thing in the back of our head that says, life should be easier now that I'm following you. And in all reality, it's not. In all reality, there are struggles that we have. Um, There are times where we need to show love to a lady that's just doing her job. And we struggle with that. And so there's going to be disruptions. There's going to be things that, that come into our life with our agenda, ready to go, and then something changes that we can't control, and it just happens. So if you're here and you have this, this journey right now that's like, yeah, I've got a lot of those lately. Disruption after disruption after disruption. That's okay. God's trying to show you something. I don't know what it is. I wish I could tell you. But God's trying to show you. He's trying to awaken you. He's trying to disrupt your routine. He's trying to show you something that maybe you're not looking at. Uh, one of the, the, the biggest people that's happened with is the conversion from Saul to Paul. It's one of my, it's one of the things that for whatever reason God keeps taking me back to. A, a man known for, um, for hunting believers. Hunting people who followed Jesus. I mean, this was him. He was responsible for the arrest, for the deaths of several Thousands, I would imagine, Christians, as many people that it's talked about in Scripture. His routine was that. He hunted Jesus' followers. He hunted them. In Acts 9, it shows exactly what this looks like as Paul is on this journey. Uh, And I'm going to read this real quick. 
Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. So this is Saul we're talking about. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But then Jesus says this, Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling uh, with Saul, the men who are with him, stood speechless. They heard this voice, but they saw nothing. They weren't blinded by this light uh, that happened. This was the disruption that Saul needed. Saul rose from the ground, and uh, although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. This blinded him. So his guys led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drink. Drink. And on this journey, on this part of the journey, God sends, uh, sends someone to come in and kind of open Paul's eyes. And, and this was the reason he changed his name from Saul to Paul. There was a new chapter. There was a new journey. The very man that went from hunting Christians now is teaching about Jesus. Some of us, some of us need that 180 degree turn in certain areas of our lives. We do. Like, I need mine with time right now. I, I've allowed myself this last week or two um, for my time just to be poorly spent. And, and there's an area that I don't need, like, small turns. I need a huge turn in this, in this area. I have the coolest wife that has walked with me through that. Some of us need that 180. Some of us don't need a full 180. We need like 180 one-degree turns. You might not have the Saul to Paul, but you need these little wins every single day to get you closer to him. Right? And that's okay too. That's not like neither one of them is the exact right way. It's just pointing you closer to him. We need these on our journey, these opportunities. And for a lot of us, it's these disruptions that are happening. These disruptions that are happening in our life. I want to walk you through this passage as we uh, continue to talk about this. It's in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. Uh, and Peter is, is walking really all of humanity uh, through what it looks like to, to pursue and follow this God that is holy. And so it starts off in verse number 13, uh, and this will be up on the screen for you. Uh, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Right, Brandon talked last week about Romans 12 too, right? Uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and accept and will perfect. And so for this, like, there are times in my life where I want to transform to the way everyone else transforms. When this lady told me the third time I couldn't take this test, I, so I had the idea of what I wanted to say in my head, and it mirrored kind of what this other guy was saying. Like it did. Like I was so frustrated. And in all reality, if I had responded that way, I would have conformed to what everyone else does and says to this lady throughout her day. What everyone else says. I would have conformed to that. And I could have justified it. This is unfair. I could have convinced myself like an awesome attorney that I did the right thing. I've got to teach this lady a lesson. I would have conformed to this world. 
The fact is, God has given me a disruption. He's given me the opportunity to love God by loving people. Some of us just think when we say that, that God's just going to zap us with love. And it's going to be there for everyone. He's going to grant you the opportunity to love God by loving people. Some of us have to wrap our mind. I have to wrap my mind around that. First Peter, as he's talking about, therefore preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is something everyone has to do. We have to set our minds right before we start our day. Like, some people are, are, are really awesome at starting their day off in the Word, and, and, and they do that consistently. I know in my life I've struggled with that. As we're able to set our minds right before the day comes, I... We're there really to set the table for what's going to take place. Not that all good will happen. We're, set, we're able to set the table for the way we respond to what will happen. And that's huge for us. That will rock the very foundations of the society and culture around you and wherever you work. That will rock the foundations of your family. That if we can set our minds right before Him, it will alter the way that we respond to one another when those journeys bring us those tough days. Uh, in, in your second talk note, our journey, and this might sound bad, but there's some goodness to this, our journey will bring division. It sounds bad, right? Because we don't want to be, we want to be unified, and I get that. Really what I'm talking about there with our, our journey bringing division uh, is, is that concept of the way the world is going to respond and the way that God calls you to respond. The way that the world will respond and the way that Jesus responds. It caused a division. Pharisees didn't know what to do with it. It didn't make sense. Why would this man die for the very people who are spitting on him as he's carrying his cross? It rocks the foundation of humanity. It rocks the foundation of society. Our journey will bring division. Test number four. I go into the DMV ready for this to happen. I'm convinced fourth time's a charm, okay? Because that's what they all say, right? And I go up there, (laughs) and I haven't even been able to step into a bus up to this point, the other three attempts. I hand my physical over. I hand all my paperwork over. And she says the magic words. All right, let's go out to the bus. And like angels, right? It was like the greatest thing ever. We make our way out to the bus. (laughs) And there's this guy sitting at the bus. He's going to be my examiner. So I go up to him. I shake his hand. Because it's really easy in this moment to love God by loving people. Right? I go up to him. And I'm like, I need a great first impression on this guy. He and I need to be best friends. Maybe once I get my license, I'll take him to lunch afterwards. Right? It's easy in this scenario to love God by loving people. I was ready to go. Shake his hand. We talk a little bit. He tells me the routine of what's going to happen. And we start the process. I inspect the exterior of the bus. That's what all good bus drivers do every time they go out, right? And uh, I feel great. Like, I've studied for this thing now four times. I'm an expert on it, right? I could probably teach him a thing or two, right? Not really. But, I mean, I know what I'm, like, I've memorized this stinking book now because I've had four times to study for it. 
The exterior um, part of the exam went perfect. Nailed it. Awesome. Great. Let's move into the interior. I'm going through everything. I'm, I'm an expert on this bus. i got emergency hatches open up, and I'm telling you everything that's happening. We get down. I'm telling you all the gauges. It's greatness. It's greatness. I've convinced myself it's greatness. I get done with the brake check, and then I say this. At this time, I've completed my exterior and interior inspection, and I'm ready for the driving portion. And then he says this. Have you completed the whole interior inspection? I'm like, <laughs> he's literally just walking around up here right now. Right? In my world, I've aced this thing. There's nothing else to give him, right? I got it. Nailed it. But as he asked this question, some of our spouses do this really well, right? They ask this question like, hey, trying to save you here, right? Here you go. Something here. I'm going to ask you this question. You need to answer it the right way. I'm racking in my brain like, what? I haven't missed anything. I know I haven't missed anything. And it's at this point I have to make a commitment. And I say, I've completed the exterior and interior inspection and I'm ready for the driving portion. Another question mark on the end there. And then he says... Unfortunately, I cannot pass you on this test. Oh, I know, right? Oh. And I knew it. I knew he was about to say it or else he wouldn't ask the question he asked. I'm going to stop the story and continue on here in a second. I knew it. Oh, Chris, I hate you. The fact of the matter is this, and this is our next, talk, our next uh, point in our, our, our talk points. Our journey will bring discomfort. It will bring discomfort. Like, like every time I think a situation is going to be comfortable and good to go, there's something in it that brings a discomfort. And for a lot of us, it's God chiseling away the things that we need chiseled away in our lives. Right? I can say all day long, I'm going to love God by loving people. But when the moment comes to actually live it, as, as, as Satan is just trying to trip you up, for me, for I would imagine a lot of us in the room, it becomes a line we say at the end of Sundays. And it doesn't, it doesn't become something we live. And this was the moment I was at. I was so uncomfortable. I had like every emotion that was negative going on uh, with me. I was frustrated. I was mad. I kept it to myself, but I just sat there for a second. He kept talking. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. They said, I was just frustrated. Our story, our journey is going, to be dis- is going to bring an uncomfortable feeling at times. When you actually live for Jesus. This is the very reason Peter denied Jesus three times. It's this very reason, this very moment that Peter said, I, I don't know him. I don't know him. Even though he and I have been best friends, I don't, I don't know him. Even though I've seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle, I've seen him do these things that are, that are amazing that I just can't explain. At this moment, as you arrest him and beat him, I don't know him. 
it's going to bring discomfort. Discomfort, so much discomfort at times in our lives. And again, I think it's God chiseling away the things in us that aren't truly invested in Him. Right? As Jesus, and the theme that we have at the school is follow me. As Jesus asked Matthew, a tax collector, someone that everyone hated, humanity hated Matthew. As Jesus said, follow me, the rest of the world looked at Jesus like he was insane. Wait, you're going to choose this guy? There's like three or four people over here that are loving God by loving people, and you're going to choose this guy? It's going to bring discomfort to people. Because it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. If we continue along in the First uh, Peter passage, verse fifteen. But as he was, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all. And if you need to circle that in your Bibles, circle it in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I think the church needs to teach it. And I think at times the church struggles with trying to manage it. I, I, I keep hearing of stories since we've moved, uh, I mean, even in Lake Worth and Azel, of, of people who are struggling with the church. It's not that necessarily that they're struggling with God, they're struggling with the church. And, and this is one of those deals that Jesus simply just, like Peter's teaching it, this is something Jesus taught Peter, and then, and then he just said, okay, it's up to you, follow me. I'm not going to come through and, and just micromanage your every move. I'm going to just tell you, follow me. As, as, as Jesus told Peter this, and now Peter is teaching, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Like, if I'm going to, to get on my knees and pray that Jesus saved me in this moment, if I'm going to truly live for and my prayer life is going to just explode for Jesus, then I have to understand He's also, outside of being the Savior, He's also the judge. He's also the judge, and I need to live in that. I, used to, I was always confused as a kid when I heard people say that we need to fear God. Like, wait, well, isn't he a pretty nice guy? Why do we need to fear him? I feel like he's a pretty swell guy. And that was the mentality like, that I had. It's kind of the way, parents, that you kind of look at your kids. Like, I love you to death, but there's going to be a fear sometimes you need to have in me, right? That this mentality that we have with God sometimes only looks for the good, and we struggle sometimes with those uncomfortable disruptions that happen. Continue on verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without a blemish or spot. If you can own, if you can own God the Father and God the Judge, we have to choose to live under both of those understandings. And that it's not the church's job to come and say, hey, let me tell you everything you individually are doing wrong. Like that's you and a Holy Spirit thing. I believe the church's responsibility is to continue to teach and point you closer to Jesus. While doing it, there's amazing friendships and relationships that are happening here. 
Sometimes we struggle with understanding that side of God, though. And then we get to the response. So he says, unfortunately, I cannot pass you at this time. And I've told you the emotion that kind of went on in my head. And so I've got it in my head, and, and, and I've got a couple of things going. I've got loving God by loving people, and I also have, I teach, <laughs> to freshmen, I teach biblical ethics. Okay? <laughs> and one of the things I always talk about is our ability and opportunity to respond. We control that. Right? As I'm talking to teenagers about this, and they and they talk about, oh, my parents are unfair. And I mean, well, you still control the response. You still have that opportunity to control the words that come out of your mouth next. And the attitude from which you portray. You have You have control over that. You do. As much as you want to fight it, you do. So as he says, fortunately I cannot pass you at this time. I take a deep breath. I was frustrated. And I say, okay, can you please help me understand where I dropped the ball? Because in my mind right now, I aced this thing. And so, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And so like in that response, like there's one side of me that's still fighting frustration, and there's the other side that said, I didn't yell, right? I didn't, I didn't yell at him or throw something at him. It was great, right? There was two sides of, of me that was struggling right now, but I responded in a way that, that I feel like Jesus was like, okay, all right, I can work with that right there. And, and so I asked, can you tell me, can you tell me where I, where I messed this up? And then he says this. No. Now I'm going to tell you what you messed up. Oh, all your faith. This is like a great movie right now, this story. You're like, oh my gosh. Then you threw the stapler, didn't you, Chris? No, I didn't. He said, no. Unfortunately, our policy is we can't tell you what you got wrong. You have to go back and reread chapter 11 again. Come back and see us. Right? And so again, I'm plagued with this decision of loving God by loving people or teaching this guy a lesson. But you have to understand something here. I've dealt with frustrations with the lady at the DMV. I've dealt with frustrations with this examiner. I could easily say the common denominator is the DMV, but it's not. The common denominator is me. The way I respond to her, the way I respond to him, these are all opportunities. So somehow, I shook the guy's hand. I said, all right, I will read chapter 11, and I'll come back and take this fifth time. I know the DMV supervisor by name, by the way. You shouldn't know the DMV supervisor's name, right? I do, though. Kim, she's a lovely lady. Shake his hand and I leave. And the same guy is there. I was like, failed, dude. Don't know what to tell you. What'd you what do you mean you failed? You're like really prepared. I'm like, ah, no, no, he said he wouldn't tell me. And he starts see his blood boiling a little bit. I was like, hey, let's just leave. Let's just go. Before I was able to leave, he came back and he shook my hand again. And he said, okay, listen, I can't tell you. I really can't. I was really hoping that was coming. But I need to talk to you about the people I deal with every single day. Nobody responded the way you responded. Like, he's like, I just have to say that. I don't have anything else to say. Just thank you for not yelling at me. And that was it. 
right? And I'm still mad. I hope I don't get him next time I take the test. But you could see in him, there was like, as soon as he said, and he paused after he said, I can't pass you at this time. He paused. I think he was ready for a, a, an explosion. And I would imagine that's what he sees every day. Right? I would imagine that's what he sees. And this really gets us to our last talk point, and, I, and I'm going to wrap it, wrap it from here. Our journey, if we can live it the way that God's called us to and deal with the disruptions and deal with the discomforts and deal with these things in a way that reflects the love of Jesus, our journey will liberate us and those around us. I hate that I've been up there four times and I haven't passed this thing yet. And I don't even know why I failed it. I hate that. I look at it now after I've cooled down a little bit. And it's an opportunity. is exactly what it is. I'm thankful that even if I don't know... That guy doesn't remember me. I'm thankful that for that day, for a moment, I didn't explode on the way I wanted to. The way that all of us could justify I could have. The way that society justifies I could have. The way that it's unfair and it doesn't make sense. I could have justified all of this. I'm thankful that for a moment, and I don't always get it right, I'm thankful for a moment that he was able to at least witness and see that. Right? And I'm thankful that, as, <laughs> that I wish God would have done it a different way than sending me to take a test four times. I'm thankful that he did. I'm thankful that he did. And that's the way I have to look at it right now. Because you and I both know if I don't look at it that way, if I don't look at it as, okay, for one moment, this guy didn't have somebody yelling at him that should have probably yelled at him. If I don't look at it that way, then I'm going into number five with this mentality of just frustration before I even step onto the facility. I set myself up for failure because of what happened last time. Some of us are dancing that circle. We're dancing that circle. And I don't know if you are. I, I, I don't know. I just imagine if you're anything like me, some of you are dancing that circle right now. And you're just, you're wanting God to kind of fix it for you, but in all reality, He's looking at you saying, it's on you, buddy. You, you guys say this every week, love God by loving people. Here you go. I'm going to give it to you. And it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to disrupt your day. Your plans are going to get shot. You're going to be frustrated. But I will provide you the opportunity to love on humanity. A humanity, a humanity that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Father, I would love to be able to say that I handle all situations in a way that you smile upon. It brings me a humility to understand that the only way I can truly live for you is to understand you. And the only way that I can understand your character and who you are is if I dive into your promises and word on a daily basis. That as I set my table every single day for that day, that I would set my mind and my heart right for you. 
understanding that there's going to be opportunities daily to love you by loving your children. And at times, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. At times, I'm not going to want to do it. At times, society is going to tell me how to respond. At times, society is going to seem to make more sense. But you've created this beautiful opportunity called life. You've created this beautiful opportunity called time that you've granted every person here. You give us the breath. We sing this song. You give us the breath in our lungs. And I pray that with it we pour out our praise for you even in the tough times. Even in the times where we just don't want to. That we would acknowledge and understand and receive and live out that as we choose to live for you, not only do we liberate ourselves, not only do we help break the chains that we keep putting over ourselves, the chains that your son died for, but we also liberate others. Others that may not know who you are. Others that are desperate for a 180 degree Saul to Paul moment. So I pray that over this church, over these hearts. That as we leave here, we go eat lunch, we go live out our Sunday, we enjoy our Labor Day weekend, we go back to work on Tuesday. That it would be our desire for you to continue to provide these opportunities. I pray for blessing over this church, over these hearts, through the good times and through the struggles. And I pray for wisdom. We love you. We do this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Hope you guys have an awesome Labor Day weekend. You guys are dismissed.